Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, places the table. What? This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Well, hello. It's another early morning show for us in a row here. Oh, OMG, man. Like, OMG, man? Yeah, man. Like, it's getting... What are you, like a 14-year-old girl from 2006? Well, I like... I like acronyms. What? (laughs) (laughs) OMG. Like, it's... And it's always so cold. Now this fog stuff is starting to move in. Ugh. It is true. The fog is back. Almost completely. It's like every morning you get fog again. I've... I, I always forget. I, I don't know if I do it intentionally or not, but I always forget that this happens again at about this time of year, November, yeah. December. And it sucks. I don't like the fog in the morning. It's just it's not creepy, nice. It's hard to see. And it makes it colder feeling. And I'd like to actually wake up and look outside the window and see things, not grayness. That would be nice. That would be nice. I, mean, I like could always August. move to like San Diego. San Diego. If there's one thing I can enjoy about this time of year, because I am literally freezing my butt off every day now, I'm like already layering up like four or five layers deep every day, and we're not even cold yet. So that's that's how bad I deal with the cold. But I do like the fog. I like the ominous look of the fog in the morning. As long as that's did you play Silent Hill as a kid, Jesse, and enjoy it? Because that might be uh, the reason why. Although you might hate it if you played Silent no, Hill. No, <laughs> I didn't. Oh, see, when Silent Hill came out, I, I I didn't have a console yet, so no. But um, I. You actually might hate the fog if you played Silent Hill as a kid, considering, you know. I do enjoy the movie Silent Hill. So two weeks ago, that's when a I was, terrible movie, but it's also it's a really good movie. terrible movie. Yes, it's a good terrible uh, movie. Exactly. It has nothing to do with the games though, and that pissed me off. <laughs> uh, a couple weeks ago, when I went to the Clackamas Oregon City game, there became a point to where the fog came down and it was all over the field. You couldn't see anything, and it was crazy. Like so, you kick off the thirty-five yard line. And we could see the kids, and they just kind of ran into what looked like the abyss, and you couldn't see anything anymore for, like, nine minutes of the game. They didn't crazy. break out the Skycam? No. So the 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 guys, the announcer— um, All that you know, Skycam money at Clark The announcers had to go, hey, man, somebody can somebody come up here and tell us what's going on in the game? Because they couldn't see anything, couldn't see the scoreboard. It was it was kind of crazy. I remember you said you, you tweeted a picture of that, and I saw it. And you're right. It just kind of— like it's 20 yards into, because you were kind of like behind the end zone in your picture. I was right I behind the end zone, and it came. the fog came right around right. the 10-yard line. Right, it was like 10 or 20 yards in on the anything. field. It was just a wall, and you could sort of see one player through it. Yeah. And that was it, and you're like, great, can't wait to try to figure out what to say about this game. Seriously, so I tried to walk over to the other side. It was still fog there. It was just, it was pretty intense, though. So we are we are back in the morning here, although that will be changing next week. There is a 9 to 11, although I will be out next week, uh, and I'll let you guys know exactly what's happening at the end of the show like we always do. But uh, next week, I believe, will be a 9 to 11 show once again. Seahawks play tomorrow on Monday Night Football, hence the early show for us today against the Falcons. But coming up on our show today, 
short show. So our fantasy scrambles coming up at 8.45 and maybe 9 o'clock, depending on how many questions we get. So if you have any fantasy football questions, there's still a couple of buys going on this week. Uh, but now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of trade deadline questions because most of the trade deadlines are this week. So if you'd like to have any of those answered, feel free to text that into the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. And, of course, any start sick questions that you have, we will try our best to answer and help you out there. Um, and if you're playing Antonio Brown like I am, I'm sorry, and hopefully we can make uh, comebacks <laughs> today after Thursday Night Football. Also, we will talk about the Oregon Ducks as well as Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. We always we talk about them a lot in the show, and we've kind of made the declaration on the show that they were the future of the quarterback play in the NFL. And this year, that declaration looks really stupid. So let's kind of gauge where they are right now this season. There's been injuries, but there's been a lot of poor play. And that'll be coming up as well. And we may get to the Saints or Tyrod Taylor being benched. Both things happening uh, this week in terms of the Saints being really good all of a sudden and Tyrod Taylor getting benched for no reason, uh, at least in my opinion. So that could be coming up on the show as well. And then, of course, we have West Coast Bias, Hater to Love It coming up at 9.15. But let's start with the Oregon Ducks before we run out of time. They actually got a win behind Justin Herbert, who did come back. And it's amazing just how much one player can do uh, the win 48 28 over Arizona Justin Herbert really didn't throw the ball that much only 21 attempts 14 completions 235 yards a touchdown and a pick also had a pick six that got called back due to taunting um, he had four rushes for 40 yards and a touchdown uh, the long was 40 yards so he had one rush for 40 yards essentially and then got sacked a bunch um, it was a great game for Oregon and it's just funny to think about it because the amount of times that a lot of us said, well, imagine if they just had Justin Herbert, how much better this Oregon team would be. And people would be like, well, but the defense has to play better and the play calling has been kind of bland and, and predictable. Look what happened when Justin Herbert came back. I mean, look, he was rusty. Don't get me wrong. He had a, he had a couple of poor plays, but they were able to throw the ball effectively. There was a, kind of a fear in the Arizona defense of what can Justin Herbert do because he can run for a 40-yard touchdown if he so chooses. And everything just kind of clicked. And having him back almost just gave the rest of the team the confidence just to play up to their level again because they weren't doing that the last five weeks. The, the one thing Herbert does, and I just heard Jesse mention this in his update, is he brings balance you know, to, to that team. So when you're a team that can't move the ball, then you put all the pressure on your defense. And now your defense has to go out there and make a stop a every single play. And when you can't go out there and make those stops every single play and your quarterback is throwing for 31 yards a game and 42 yards a game, like that, you're not going to win any. So you have to give the ball to Royce Freeman, which to me kind of makes him even more of a Heisman favorite for me because you know where the ball's going. There's no nothing else they can do, and yet and still he's been shredding defenses every single week since, you know, Herbert's been out. It, it, so. it, it has been true because this team hasn't stopped running the ball no. efficiently. It's been very efficient running the ball. They ran 50 times. Like, it, it, the balance it brings to allow them to find the end zone. Like, the last uh, – the last – um, Freeman touchdown set up with a 50-yard Herbert strike. Like, you're not getting that with Burmeister. So, I mean, that allows you to get that touchdown, an easy touchdown, as opposed to having to grind every single play 80, 90 yards down the field with your rushing attack. That's just not feasible to win a game that way. But when you can add occasional um, plays off of play action, and, and, and I mean, Herbert – 
being able to run the ball, you know, 40 yards in a TD as well. Like um, he adds that dimension to the game that allow the ducks to be what they need to be in order to win some football games. Now, I, I mean, it just makes you think like this could have, I, I think you're topping out at eight, maybe nine wins with this team, but still it, it, he makes this team a lot more oh, yeah. competitive. You beat UCLA. You probably beat Arizona state. You know, you, you win some of those games if, if Justin Herbert is there, um, but maybe you don't, maybe you lose some of them as well. It's, it's been a strange year for the ducks football team. That's for sure. But having Justin Herbert back is truly a revelation again, because it's almost like you watched Oregon. And you just, you, you were like, this team sucks. They're boring. And then you watch Justin Herbert, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, they're not boring. <laughs> they just didn't have their quarterback. They're actually kind of fun to watch. One thing that I do want to get to that I thought was really impressive and might be getting overshadowed a little bit by the Justin Herbert return is how they held Khalil Tate in check. Khalil Tate's been a monster since getting the starting job a couple of weeks in for Arizona. And he had 32 rushing yards on 14 attempts which is just insane. Only 159 passing yards too, but I mean, he, he's been killing teams with his legs. And what Jim Levitt said is they had a blitzer on basically every single play whose job it was, was to spy on the quarterback, AKA hit him or pressure him into a bad throw. Normally when you see a running quarterback, at least, you know, the, in the basic kind of defense, it's like a middle linebacker is a spy. He just mm -hmm. kind of sits in the middle of the field and he follows the quarterback's eyes and he doesn't let him run and he, he tries to, you know, follow where he's throwing the ball. This was totally different. This was a make Khalil Tate go, holy crap, I got to make a decision because this guy's coming at me every single time. And it worked. He couldn't run the ball. He wasn't that effective passing the ball. Um, and Arizona played well in the first half for sure. And it was, uh, what was it? It was like a seven-point game at halftime. Oregon had the lead. But in the second half, they, they only scored seven points, and they weren't as good. And give a lot of credit to the defense. And I, but I, I kind of want to flip it again and say give some credit to Herbert for giving some confidence back to the defense. Like Jesse was saying there, they don't have to get every freaking stop. And everything just kind of worked, right? Yeah. So it was a, a, everything worked together, but I, I want to give some love to the defense for playing that well. I think, I think this is where, you know, Taggart and Helfridge were, are different. You know, these adjustments on defense, knowing that you have to go out there and maybe change it up a little bit to, man, stop their best player. And that's exactly what they were able to do. They zeroed in on who would give them the most problems, and they made a decision. That's what we didn't see a lot from um, what was it, Mark Helfrich. You know, we didn't see a whole lot of halftime adjustments or quarter-to-quarter or, or -quarter adjustments based off of what the offense or the defense was giving him. And now you're seeing a guy in Taggart who's willing to take some risk, you know, at certain points. And I think that's a great thing, and I think that's what that's the difference between uh, this Ducks culture now and what it's been over the past couple of years. Uh, I was wrong, by the way. Arizona State did have Herbert. That was the game before the Cal game. So apologies okay. for my incorrect statement there. Um, Hence the, you know, we, we might have won nine, you might have won eight. You know, yeah. you might have picked up another game or two, but, like, losing Herbert, that's not what really sunk this season. It's still, once again, we're rebuilding off of a four-game season, but I think this is what I liked the most about yesterday is that you, on your on your running attack as well, like, you saw Royce Feeman be ex extremely successful, but he only needed 19 carries. They didn't have to give him that 30 carries yesterday. They were able to get... Tony Brooks James in there with another 19 as well. Like he still ran the ball 50 times. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how, I mean, it, that's the way they should be doing it though. Cause they have so many guys in that backfield that are extremely talented and they're all a little bit different. So it was a bit of like a safe 
in terms of passing the ball a lot, game plan for Herbert, who was coming back from the injury. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let's say this, man, Justin Herbert had more yards in that game back <laughs> than Burmeister had in his last four games. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So I mean, that's Burmeister that's, that's getting what, like 40 that's yards that's what that's what changes your your offense. All of a sudden, you've you you had more yards passing that one game than you've had over the past four games. Yeah, that's true. It's just amazing what one player can do, especially your quarterback when your backup is not your backup; he's your fifth string quarterback. <laughs> based on transfers that happened at the beginning of the year. All right. Text in your thoughts to the Bridgeport Bears text on the five five three zero five. Also, text in your fantasy football questiones. Uh, We will answer those in about 30 minutes from now. But next, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota having pretty bad years, especially by their standards the last two years. Are they plateauing? Is it just one bad season? Or are we going to see them completely come back and be dominant again next year or at least work towards dominance next year? That's next here on Football Sunday on The Fan. Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 818 here on your Sunday morning. Love Feels even earlier than that. Love the song. To me today. I don't know why. I don't love this song. I don't love Smash Mouth. No, I don't you, know. You picked it. I didn't. No, you picked it. I swear I didn't pick the song. I would this never might have Smash been Mouth. one of mine. Actually, you're right. Let's say, yeah. I'll We've had this conversation. Yeah. I, I mean, I like, I like Smash Mouth. I like this one, All Star, was good. Walking on the sun and all have great songs. We have have had this conversation before. (laughs) It is in my memory because we made fun of Jesse for not really liking music. Yes. And yet he chose Smash Mouth, so it confirms that he really just doesn't like music. Really does. Yeah, exactly. There's some other stuff I like, but some of it I won't admit to on air. All right. Some of it probably wouldn't translate. Like my favorite band of all time is the Dandy Warhols. Really? Yeah. Y'all know who the Dana Warhols are? I don't Can't say that I they, do. There you go. Uh, but but they are That's from cool. Portland. Um, they're bigger in Europe than they are here. I don't need to know who they are. Like and, I, I listen to metal, man. Well, Nobody knows what my band. Well, they're are. they're kind of a grunge band. They're awesome, and uh, they should be in town next month because they always do a Christmas concert here in Portland because oh. it's their hometown. So That's cool. A nice That's little a pretty intimate. cool name. Yeah. Andy Warhols. I like that. Uh, they were they were inspired by the Jamestown massacre. Oh. Yeah, okay. if, do you know who they are? No, I don't. I thought you were saying they were inspired by, like, the event. No, no, there's <laughs> a band like, that's called a the Jamestown really, Massacre. Really weird inspiration to have. But. No, no, there's an actual band okay. called I mean, like, the Jamestown Massacre. One of my metal bands is named Whitechapel after the area where Jack the Ripper was, so, I mean, I, I wasn't putting it past them for naming themselves after something like that, but um, although Whitechapel sucks now, so it, don't there judge me. Don't judge me, metal fans. I, the last two Whitechapel albums are awful. Um, yeah, all right. They, they, not their best stuff. No, it's terrible. Trust me. <laughs> they they haven't been good since their third album. <laughs> oh, yeah. I stopped listening after the first one. Oh yeah, that's their that's their heaviest stuff, man. It's pretty creepy that yeah. album. I have no idea who this band is. <laughs> Just <laughs> FYI, uh, James. Let's go back to the NFL. Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota were drafted together. What is it now? Three years ago now. Three years. Man, time flies. Um, and on this show, we talked about them a lot because we we really thought they'd be. Kind of the the new group, the new two elite quarterbacks eventually in the NFL. Uh, once the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's and Aaron Rodgers all kind of went by the wayside, we'd be like, oh, we'll be left in the world of Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. 
And, you know, things were kind of looking up in that respect, right? They had a good, good couple of first years. There were some injury issues, especially for Mariota. He couldn't stay on the field. Um, you know, Jameis Winston threw too many interceptions. He made some stupid decisions, but there was a lot of like flashes of greatness from mm -hmm. him too. And this year, things seem to have kind of crumbled for both of them. And we look at kind of the the sophomore slump, right? We've looked at that before. It's like, oh, you have a good first year because the, the league doesn't know who you are. And then your sophomore year, they kind of get used to you and things change. Well, this is not the sophomore slump. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit later in your – this is when you're supposed to be getting better. This is year three, right? This is the year where you're supposed to be kind of figuring out what to do in the NFL that's going to make you successful. And frankly, for both of them, both the years have been utter disappointments. And Winston's had injuries issues this year as well, of course, with his, with his uh, collarbone, his shoulder. But Jameis Winston this year has just 10 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's got an 87 quarterback rating, which is actually about what his average is over the course of the, the last two years. Just he's not as he's not as prolific through eight games. He's got 1920 yards when he had over 4000 his first two seasons, both times. Marcus Mariota right now has a quarterback rating almost 20 less than his first two years. He has eight touchdowns and 10 interceptions and has been hurt a couple of times. Obviously, he, he hurt his hamstring a couple of times and has especially in that Thursday night game, man, this week, he looked awful for most of it. He had a couple of nice throws. He had a couple yeah. of nice plays, but like what he had four interceptions, right? Yes. In did. that game. Yeah. It was awful. It was an awful performance from him on a, on a national stage, quote unquote, because I don't know how many people are watching Thursday night compared to like Sunday games, but it was, a, it was a national stage and he completely let it dribble down his leg. And I think we're at this weird point where, I don't know if it's necessarily their fault as quarterbacks, but they've hit a wall and something needs to change to kind of get them going again. I, I mean, last year, like you said, it wasn't a sophomore slump because I think last year they both played really well. Mariota you know, was awesome last year. Uh, Mariota, 26 and 26 nine. Uh, touchdowns, nine interceptions. Uh, Jameis Winston, a few more interceptions, but he's a different – Type of gunslinger than more, Mariota. Yeah, nine more. <laughs> yeah, nine more. You know, like I said, he's a, he's a different gunslinger than Mariota is. But this year, the the offenses for both teams just look, like you said, disjointed. Uh, Mike Malarkey and uh, Dirk Hodder, just they, they they need to go away. Be now. Fired. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think there's. I mean, I don't know. You have these two incredible athletes. You know, for the most part, at the quarterback position that you know um, are great leaders. It, you know, on the football field, you know, where there's, there's still, the jury's definitely still out on Jameis. But um, I don't, I don't know. Like it's, it's super strange because yeah, you're right. This is the year that everybody had expectation. Like I, my expectation for the Buccaneers was the playoffs at this point. My expectation for the Titans were the playoffs. And I think a lot of people have the Titans winning possibly 12 games this year. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen at this point. But they've played a lot of bad teams and gotten wins in that way. Like they're six and four now, I believe. So they're they're doing all right, but they they just they don't look good. 
every single they haven't really looked good except for like one or two games this whole season i've watched them multiple times remember the game against the browns where they won like nine to six or 13 to six or something it was terrible it was an awful game it was an awful offensive game and i think you're totally right on about the coaches that's kind of where i was going with that is you have dirk cutter and you have mike malarkey who we thought dirk cutter was a better offensive coach than this mike malarkey we knew was not a very good coach in general but they're not really running offenses that are working. And I know that they're, look, I know there's other things outside of it, right? I know that the Buccaneers have a lot of injuries uh, outside of just the Jameis Winston injury. And that's, that's hurting as well. But um, it's just kind of like it's bland. It's bland offense to watch. And I think that that's more true for Marcus Mariota and the Titans. You have a quarterback who is absolutely game changing with his athleticism. And, Mike Malarkey continues to say that his goal is to run your ball, run the ball down, down your throat. Now they've got two good running backs in DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, but they, neither of them have had good seasons. The offensive line's good, but is not run, is not blocking the run. Well, um, DeMarco Murray's averaging like three yards a carry and Derrick Henry's doing a little better, but he's not, he didn't look great on Thursday night either. He had, he ran into a wall a bunch of times. If you have a guy like Mariota and I, and they do do it a little bit, they have some option plays that they that they run. They do a lot of good play action passes and stuff. But if you have a guy like Mariota, who we've seen in the NFL be game changing due to due to his athleticism and his ability to make the right decision when given some time, give him more opportunities to do that. Don't rely on a running game that for the entire season has barely worked. You know, don't don't try to go too normal, quote unquote, when you have a guy who can sell the play action really well. There was a stat I saw from this game that on the play action against the Steelers, he had like a 110 quarterback rating or something. On everything else, he was dreadful. So allow the threat of him running the ball or an option play get you more yards. Basically what I'm saying, they just need a, a more modern offensive mind. They need a Sean McVay from the Rams. Because well, Mike Malarkey is like, he's Jeff Fisher. Yeah, I think he's, the way, he's making it stagnant for yeah, Mariota. The way he's looking at it is you've got these two horses on offense and um, – Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray, like, why not use them as much as possible and try to run the ball? The NFL is about running the ball. No, the NFL is about, man, getting the ball to the athletes on the on the outside, which is why they've made them those sticky gloves, which is why you can't touch the receivers, which is why, you know, you basically can't play any defense because they want to see, they want to see points scored. And right now you've got a great quarterback in Mariota who isn't really able to showcase any of the things that he does really well because you've decided to go to basically a power eye and just say let's you know let's let's try our chances like this and and it's it's kind of it's really sad but you know what if did we not know this about Mike Malarkey though like uh, that's my question like when he when he took over as head coach did you not know that this was going to happen like when he was in Buffalo or Tennessee like or excuse me or uh, Jacksonville like he wasn't a good coach then. So well, I'm not sure why the Titans thought that this would be the situation that he needed to to prove that he was a good good coach or good fit. I don't know. We, all right, we got a break. Coming up next, we'll talk more about Jameis as well as what the future holds for both, both of these quarterbacks and if we think they're going to be able to turn into the elite guys we thought they would. Uh, that is next, but this is Jesse with SportsCenter. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 
834 here on your Sunday morning. Just got a text from my wife that somebody tried to knock on our apartment door a lot and then walk right in. Good thing it was locked. <laughs> so I hate when that happens. Like it, the thing with our apartments is that there's multiple of our apartment number, but they're in different buildings. The building numbers are different. Uh, so occasionally, so, you're, so it's a maze. It's confusing. Well, it's not confusing. It's just people don't look at what the building is. They just see the apartment number and they go, ah, that's my that's my apartment that I'm going to. And they don't yeah. realize they're in the wrong they building. Come to, come to the door and go, yeah, is Dunbar here? But it's like, I don't, is that a, a reference to something? No, I'm oh. asking. That's probably what they say when they knock on your door. Oh, okay, I was there. like, yeah. did I miss a movie reference or something? I was going to say. I'm known to miss those service <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean it's happened before where it's like someone just knocks and you're like yeah i don't know who that is i'm not gonna answer it and eventually they leave but to, the fact that they tried to walk in the door that's a little bit unsettling please don't do that people <laughs> no seriously <laughs> please don't please don't do that um so continuing our marcus mariota james winston conversation we, we focus a lot of mariota there i want to switch gears to winston here a bit so obviously the story that you heard in jess's update today and we've heard since uh i want to say thursday or friday is that Jameis Winston is being accused of groping an Uber driver in Arizona last year. Um, whether true or not, we don't know. It's another in a long line of off-the-field missteps for Jameis. And it seems that his team likes him on the field. It seems that they kind of follow his shtick, if you will. The eat the W thing was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. But, I mean, if it works for them, it works for them. But, uh, so off the field, he's kind of, he, he's he's pretty hit or miss, pretty miss, more so than hit. And on the field, this year, he's been really hit or miss, more so miss, a lot of interceptions. Um, I just, I think the biggest thing with him is I really don't know if he has the, like, the ability to stop making those stupid mistakes in both <laughs> realms. Like, it. He's had three years now to try to kind of get under control. And I don't know if you watched Hard Knocks this year. And a Not lot of really. the time Dirk Cutter spent talking to Winston was, you can't do that. You can't make that throw. You can't make that decision. And that's still happening. Winston's still doing those things. He's still making those decisions and those throws. And I don't. I don't know if that's something that you can kind of get get out of him. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like, we saw Brett Favre be the gunslinger, yeah. right? Everyone compared, like, look at how good Brett Favre was. Well, but he was prolific and also made some mistakes because he, he threw the ball to, to the other team a couple of times. Winston does It's not the same. It's definitely not the same. The same mindset, but it's not the same result. Uh, yeah, not necessarily the same result, at least not, not yet. You know, so I, I still really do believe in Jameis and Mariota's ability. You know, I think they both have um, a whole, whole lot of talent. I just think they just need more leadership. And I don't, like we talked about Mike Malarkey, this is only Dirk Cutter's third year as the coach, excuse me, second year as the coach of, of Tampa. And he's right. You know, sometimes you can't make those throws. But I think that's why you draft Jameis Winston. You knew that's who he was by his sophomore year in college. He was going to make a lot of those throws. Uh, and a lot of the times they paid off. Like, you, you wanted Jameis because he was a winner. And he was willing to do anything to win during a game, including push a referee out of the way who's, you know, kind of stopping him from snapping the ball. Like, Jameis is a win-at-all-cost type of dude. So he's going to make a lot of those risky mistakes, you know, a lot of the time. But he's also going to win you a game, you know, or win you a few games with some of those risky moves. And so, I, I mean, I just think Dirk Cutter just 
you you got to figure out how to get the best out of your out of your player. You know, you got to cater to what they do well. And I don't know if he's been able to do that quite yet. He's trying to mold Jameis into this, you know, into this in the pocket, you know, only make this throw type of guy. And he's not going to be that. That's just not why you draft him number one overall. You drafted him to to be that winner that he was at Florida State. I do wonder. We we talk about this sometimes with the NFL and college football is when you're an elite player at college football, it doesn't really matter what team you're on. When you're an elite player, your coaches tend to just kind of let you do you, right? They're like, look, you're that good. We're not going to coach you up as much as just let you play your game and we'll we'll win, right? I wonder how much of at Florida State, Jimbo Fisher just kind of said, Jameis, did you just play, right? I mean, we've heard that from other Florida State players. Who was it? Um, Oh, it was, again, on Hard Knocks. It was the corner who was with the Bucks who basically got cut and then was called back. And he was frustrated because he was like, I don't know, need to know plays. We just played at Florida State, right? And now that he's in the NFL, it's so much more strict. Mm-hmm. You have to follow the playbook. You have to be this type of a quarterback, et cetera. I wonder if that's hurting Jameis or if, or if the vice versa, if not being coached in college the same way is hurting Jameis because now he's – like, oh, I should be able to just do whatever I want, and that's just not the case because in the NFL, the def- oh, defenses yeah. are too good for you just to do yeah, whatever and, you want. And Jimbo was going to be smart enough to say, man, it, listen, in high school, Pop Warner, and even college, as long as you have the best athlete at quarterback, you're, you've got a chance to win. You know, I, I, it's, it's, name another three players to play for Louisville football right now. Can either of you? Nope. I can name the Heisman. You know, because you're, you put your most athletic guy at the quarterback position, and then you've got a shot. That was Jameis Winston in, in college. Now he's not the most athletic person on the offense right now. You know, you, you're looking at Mike Williams and Deshaun Jackson and uh, and, and, and Doug, Will, or Doug Williams. Um, Doug Martin? Who's there, who's there That's right? Doug yeah. Martin, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you're not even the most athletic person on your offense anymore. So – he does have to figure out how to take what he does well as far as being that gunslinger and also, man, making the right decision for his team on the offense. I think the offensive coordinator, your head coach, and quarterback got to come together at some point to figure out, man, how we can pick an offense that works well for you. You know why Dak Prescott is functioning right now? Because head coach, offensive coordinator, and, and himself, they're having meetings about how we can get the best out of out of me for what I do. Although we are also seeing with Dak Prescott that without Ezekiel Elliott, he is things are different. Of course, of course, things are much different. But when he does have all of his all of his you know weapons, much like Jameis Winston does, he's able to do something with it. Um, Do you think that we'll get to a point next year, two years from now, whenever it is that these two, and you could include the new guys in there as well, Wentz and Goff and Dak, if you'd like. that we will see the full changing of the guard and that Mariota and Winston will be able to, along with those guys, kind of change the the landscape of the NFL quarterback position? Uh, or are you a little bit nervous that maybe one or both of these guys is going to kind of get stuck? And, I mean, they're good quarterbacks, but they're not great quarterbacks. And they're going to be stuck in that middle range of, like, Joe Flacco. I think there's a very – and that's exactly what I was going to say. I think there's a very good chance both of these guys could be considered – Flacco, you know, if 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 their play, you know, doesn't really equate to some wins, 
Yeah, because you're looking around and you see this big, strong kid look like Carson Wentz, and you see what Jared Goff is able to do with all these weapons now. And then and you finally look at a Dak coach Prescott. that knows how to use them. Absolutely. You look at Dak Prescott and the success that he's been able to have, and then now you insert a Deshaun Watson into that mix, and you've got a lot of really great young quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Mind you, Russell Wilson's still only like 28, you know, 20, 27, somewhere around there. So he's not an old dude at this point. So you've got a lot of really talented young quarterbacks and and they're all right around the same age too. I mean, with the exception of Russell Wilson, you know, I think Mariota and Winston are both, you know, 23, 24, you know, possibly, you know, right around there. I, mean, I don't know maybe, exactly, but I mean, Mariota's a junior when he came out, so what, third year, so he's what, 20, 24, 25, 25 maybe, yeah. you know, at this point, Winston's 23, 24, like, I mean, they got time to develop, but, you know, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff are also 23 and 24, and they're having a lot of success already. Well, it will be very interesting to see if they will do it. I hope for at least Mariota's sake, just because I like watching him play with the Duck Connection, uh, will turn into one of those guys that you could trust on a week-in, week-out basis and not be quite as inconsistent. Um, but we might also be seeing the beginning of those two not being as good as we thought and getting passed over by the likes of Wentz and Goff, et cetera below them uh, and we'll also be interesting to see the the guys who come in this year if, if we do see Darnold and Rosen and Allen and all those guys Baker Mayfield come into the draft to see if they can actually um turn into good NFL quarterbacks and I think there's some question marks about that after how they played this year in college all right coming up next is the fantasy scramble if you have fantasy football questions text them in right meow to the Bridgeport Pierce text line at 55305 we'll answer them next segment it's also the trade deadline for most of you in your leagues so send in those trade questions as well that is next here on football sunday on the fan this is what you get when you wait until the last minute it's your pick fine whatever blah, 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 blah. this guy a kicker i like kickers listen up you fantasy coaches mike and rashad are here to save your butt with some last minute injury news and roster advice and the only reason my team finished as terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Wow, Jesse's mad. He hates Vance <laughs> Joseph as the coach of the Broncos. He really does not like, like him. hates. That guy's a... Uh, I'm, I'm. Be careful. Beep, 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 beep. Uh, got the delay on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Be careful. I beeped it. Yeah, he's. Uh, I get it. <laughs> oh come on, wow. be better. Sorry, we're watching the Premier League and. Be better. West Ham just had two clear cut opportunities and missed both of them. <laughs> Great saves though. Oh, is that what we? That's what we're watching. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, you said get out of here for those two saves, I imagine, right? I didn't know what the team is was. I just saw I thought this was woo. <laughs> WHU. Versus what? Woo. <laughs> woo and what? <laughs> That's what I thought this what. I don't I don't I'm not see these are the acronyms that I don't like. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> I've never heard anyone use the acronyms of a team and just say it phonetically before. Like, I don't think I've ever really heard that. Like, who is who is this team? Yeah, if you'd ask me, normally that. you know the city or the state or whatever, so you see like NY, and you're like, oh, that's New York, not me. Yeah, <laughs> We're right? the Knights of me. Exactly. Um, so this is this is, and then but you don't know the teams in in the Premier and, League and because soccer they're not, clubs. They're clubs, not teams, right? Yeah. They they they're never named after. Well, very very 
seldom. They're never named after like a place. Well, actually, like, almost all of them are, but that's besides the point. Really? Yeah. Watford is a place, but actually, no, Watford might not be a place. See? West Ham is in London. Um, Watford might be in London. I don't know, though. But most of them are like Manchester City. That's Manchester. Yeah, I'll be honest. Liverpool. That's Liverpool. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> Southampton. That's Southampton. It's, it says American Airlines on the front of Orlando. Well, they, they all sold out their jerseys. Oh, you know? yeah. I that's that's what soccer saying. does. They they don't put their team logo on the jersey. They put the... I thought oh, they, they were, do. It's in the corner. I thought they were the Geico's. It's a crest. Yeah, I thought they were the Geico's or something. Right? So. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, look, it's the American Airlines from Manchester. That's what I thought. <laughs> I hate you guys. All right, this is the Fantasy Scramble. We do this every single week. Uh, if you've got any fantasy football questiones, I don't know why I'm using it that way today, text in to the Bridgeport Bears text under 55305. If you have any trade questions, feel free to do the same. Uh, we are in week 11 now. Man, it's already week 11 of the NFL season. That is insane. Yeah, we're There's only one more week there. of the regular season in college football. One. Yeah. Fun. Civil War is this uh, is next uh, Saturday. Saturday, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Um, so let's uh, let's get to the questions here. First one, we only have a couple today. So if you have any, feel free to text them in. If not, we'll move on fairly quickly from fantasy today. Uh, the first question, if I can find it, PPR league need two of these three running backs. Doug Martin, Adrian Peterson, or Marshawn Lynch. Mm. <laughs> right? Um, it's not exactly the best situation. Not the worst situation. Not the best situation. Adrian Peterson has looked good like twice <laughs> this season. Um, it's a 50-50 role right now. And Yeah, it's getting a lot of splits for him in, in the carry department. Marshawn Lynch has looked good once this season. He at least has scored four touchdowns, but uh, he hasn't really had a great year, although the New England defense, not great, but getting better. And then the other one is Doug Martin, who has just looked bad this season. Really has not looked good in Tampa Bay. Um so PPR league is important here. I would probably just go Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch. I really hate Doug Martin this year, man. He's, I mean, he's getting carries, but he's not doing anything with them. And he's got a couple other running backs there in Charles Sims. And uh, I forget the other name, Peyton something. Peyton uh, Barber. Barber. That's it. Um, not, they're also getting some carries. I don't, I don't really trust Doug Martin right now. So I'm going to go Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch. I, I can't situation. believe you could say you trust any of those three. Yeah, well, I don't. I mean, but I don't trust Doug Martin. Well, well then, yeah, but you, how could you trust Marshawn Lynch? What's he done for you lately? I'm, sorry, sorry. He scored I'm two touchdowns ahead. last week. I'm, score, I'm, I'm skipping ahead. Oh, he's that's called chasing touchdowns. touchdowns. I mean, I trust him more than I trust Doug Martin, though. I mean, I think I agree with that part. I mean, before anything else, like none of them at this point are great. Uh, I think at this point they're all just names. You know, Adrian Peterson is just the name. Marshawn Lynch is just the name. He's there to sell tickets and jerseys. Um, I don't even think Dud Martin was able to even a name yet. You know, I was just, I mean, he hadn't been healthy enough at any point, you know. So um, probably go with Lynch and, and Peterson then with that, all that said. All right. All right. So not a great situation to be in. All right. Um, but. If you want, I, I value all of these guys about the same. I, um, it, this game shouldn't get out of a hand uh, for Tampa Bay. Miami's not like some sort of offensive juggernaut, so they should be able to run the ball. So you should see at least, I would say, 17 to 20 rushes out of Doug Martin. 
Um, Marshawn Lynch has a good matchup in the fact that New England loves to give up yardage, but guess what? They don't give up a lot of touchdowns, and that's what you need out of Marshawn Lynch. Adrian Peterson is going up against Houston, and as much as they've been bad against the pass, they've been great against the run, and they've given up one touchdown all season long. Skipping Adrian Peterson this week, you found out that all you have to do is focus on Adrian Peterson. The rest of the Arizona um, Cardinals are not going to beat you. They're going to stack the, is the box. Is Blaine Gabbert starting this week? Or yes, he it, is. Oh so, I mean, it, oh I, you're, you're stacking the box. Like, you're going to let Blaine Gabbert try to beat you this week. So, I mean, Marshawn Lynch, you need him to get in the end zone. He probably doesn't, but he has a better matchup. And then Doug Martin, you know what? Uh, Miami's defense sucks. So, I mean, those are your two best options. Gonna go, gonna go ahead and say it's possible Adrian Peterson has a, a crazy game, but I'm gonna go ahead and say he's the one that's gonna face the eight man boxes like 90% of the time. I hope you're right because I'm playing Adrian Peterson in fantasy today. Next question non PPR league wide receiver two Marvin Jones, Amari Cooper, or Marquise Lee. This is a tough one for me. So, Amari Cooper, since his blowout 40 point performance, has done fine, uh, <laughs> but he hasn't been great. Like, he's been better than he was early in the year, but he hasn't been great. Um, You've got Marvin Jones, who after having like the best three-week stretch we've seen from him in a long time, had one catch last week. And then Marquise Lee is actually the number one in Jacksonville and has been getting about six catches a game there, which is really interesting to see what what the change has been there, especially after Allen Robinson went down. And Allen Hearns has been hurt a lot and not contributing as much as we thought he would this year. I actually, in this one, I'm going to go Marquise Lee. He's going up against the Cleveland defense. He... Like I said, 16, 17, 9, 12 in the last four games. Those are his point totals. Um, also had an 11 and an 8 earlier in the year. He's getting more and more looks. He's getting more red zone looks. I think he's a threat to be a solid kind of mid, mid-tier mid guy there out of these. I think Amari Cooper has a boomer bust component, and I think Marvin Jones has a boomer bust component. I think kind of Marquise Lee might be the safer pick, which is so strange to say. But I'm going to pick Lee out of those three. Um, the Raiders just... They're going against a New England defense that's getting better. Still not very, still not great, but this is around the time of year that New England starts kind of tightening up in, in all those areas and, and becomes relatively elite as, as the season ends. So I don't know if I would go Cooper. Um, whenever you're playing the Browns, but that, D, that Browns defense is better than people think. Um, they, they've got some weapons on, on a lot of parts of that defense. So I think I'm still going to go with Lee, though. I. I honestly think Lee's been good this year. He's been good. And um, Blake, Blake Bortles Blake has actually Bortles been kind of good. He's been fine, yeah. I, I mean, it, Compared to, to last me, year. So Blake Bortles, I think he's proven he has talent to play in the NFL, but he's never been able to have won a balanced team. So he's always had to try to come from behind. Like, this is the type of team Blake Bortles needs to be on if he's going to be a successful quarterback in the NFL, one that's a run-first, run-heavy, power formation, just shove it down your throat with a a strong defense. And I think Bortles can be successful, and he's proving it this year. He's he's thrown a touchdown in every game except for one this year. And, you know, why not continue that against Cleveland this year, uh, this week? And Marquise Lee is probably your number one candidate to get in the end zone if you're going to get a touchdown out of of, uh, Bortles. And the final question we have, also at quarterback, Derek Carr or Phillip Rivers, assuming he plays. Um, it's interesting because Phillip Rivers was the question last week, I believe. And 
Let me see if I can find him on this list here. There he is. Um, last week he had 15 points. He He's nothing special, right? He's getting you 10 to 15 points every single week. He's only got one with single-digit points. Throws for 230-plus yards most games. Has a couple of touchdowns most games. But Derek Carr is better. He has the ceiling that is much higher. And we've talked about the Patriots defense. They have gotten better, but they're still the Patriots defense. They still give up a lot of yards. And I could see him having a little bit of a field day yards-wise, maybe get a touchdown or two. So I'm going to go Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean, just assuming that Rivers isn't healthy, I think I would just go with on that part alone, you know, because whenever you're questionable coming into the game, I'm not sure how effective you'll actually be. So I'm going to go ahead and go Carr. 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 Oakland right now is, I mean, a better running offense. I don't. Uh, I don't like what Anthony Lynn's done to the Chargers this year. Believe it or not, they're not just are they hurt all the time. They're also, like, not very efficient offensively. I don't think by by no means is this uh, Philip Rivers' best year. I don't think you're seeing any wow moments from him like you have in the past where he's had, like, four touchdown games. You're not really getting that out of him. Plus, he's going against, uh, I would hope, a Buffalo team that's going to start playing better but even then they've they've not been an easy task for quarterbacks this season i believe they're like ranked fifth against the quarterbacks in fantasy this year so um Derek carr not only is he probably a better quarterback has a higher ceiling he's got a better matchup so carr all right that's the fantasy scramble we do it every single week uh, depending on the show time at different times uh, if you have any more questions you can text them in and we'll try to answer them next segment but coming up next why did the bills bench tyrod taylor It just doesn't make any sense. This is Football Sunday on The Fan.